Welcome to the All In Your Head podcast, where we get all in your head. We are a mental health podcast focused on anything and everything mental health. We will have special guests ranging from mental health experts, mental health advocates, and just everyday people with real struggles. We will share laughs, we will share cries, but most importantly, we will have real conversations about mental health. So with that being said, let's get all in your head. Woohoo! I don't know if you're familiar with the Spire Performance, but the Spire of Performance is a model that I created in my work with people. And I've been doing therapy for about 20 years and found that there are specific areas that we don't often address with people, Mm -hmm. even in the mental health field that has a lot of value and can be a game changer. Specifically, and at the, the foundation of the Spire Performance is physical health, because if people don't have good habits around physical health, my work as a therapist is limited. Right. And I define physical health as caring for the body through proactive and responsive practices. And really what we take a look at is four things, exercise, diet, sleep, and then their relationship with drugs and alcohol. Seth, you are a sleep expert. So I'm really excited to have you on this podcast. Why don't you tell us who you are and what you do? Sure. Yeah. So um, my name is Seth Davis. I'm based here in Denver, Colorado. And um, so actually, I own a company called Sleepably, and we help kids and adults sleep better. So we try to focus on most of the age groups. So I'm a certified adult sleep coach, and I work with people who are having sleep challenges, or they sleep okay, but they want to really optimize things so they can get the most out of their sleep. So I take them on kind of a personalized journey where we look into what are your specific routines and and behaviors and thoughts about sleep and all those things. And then, you know, where are there areas for improvement that we can focus on those things, change behaviors, change thoughts, remove stresses, all those things, and get you to a place where you are sleeping better and, again, kind of getting those benefits that come from a good, healthy, restful night of sleep. From a mental health perspective, sleep can impact mental health, right? And then mental health can also impact sleep. So it's it's this constant interplay. As a therapist, I feel like I'm limited If someone is really struggling with sleep, and I have my own interventions and ways that I help people with sleep, but if someone's not getting sleep, there's not a lot I can do. I can throw out these amazing therapeutic techniques and and try out these different strategies and use CBT and DBT and all these these different things and talk about skills and all of that. Mm -hmm. But if you're not sleeping, that's a problem. It's true. Some people actually refer to sleep as the nighttime therapist, you know, when you get that REM sleep. And so it helps you to, you know, process emotions and store memories and really work through things. So it's kind of, yeah, it's your, uh, you know, subconscious therapist working on you during the night. So you're right. If you don't have that going for you, then then your job during the day has got to be harder. I like how you said that. So I want to talk a little bit about what a sleep coach is, and then we can talk about some tangible ways that people can get better sleep. So what is a sleep coach? Yeah, I get that question a lot. And I got a lot, get a lot of funny looks when I tell people I'm a sleep coach. But <laughs> so like I said, it's kind of a, a personalized approach where, you know, we need to take a look at you. And so you have your individual lifestyle, you have your own stresses in your life, you know, you have all these things that could potentially be standing in the way of your sleep. Um, or or affecting your sleep in a negative way. So we kind of need to dig deep in there and see exactly, you know, is it is your sleep schedule serving you? You have this sleep window that you're keeping. Is that 
is that serving you? Is it helping your sleep? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you have a lot of stress in your daily life, you know, is, is that standing in the way of your sleep and how can we start to remove that? So it's really, you know, it's really kind of identifying the things that could be holding you back in your sleep and then creating a personalized plan for you. So kind of, you know, here's, here's how we're going to get you to a better place and then coaching you through it, which it's not always a straightforward job. There's, there's ups and downs. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people have sleep related anxiety and things like that, that we have to work through. So it's kind of just yeah. you know, showing you the way, helping you through it and keeping you calm and, and kind of troubleshooting things as we go through it. So that's kind of the coaching element of it. Yeah. You talked about sleep related anxiety and I've seen that too, where, people are not getting enough sleep and that causes stress and anxiety. And so when they try to go to sleep, they're worried that they're not going to be able to go to sleep, which leads to them not being able to go to sleep. So have you, you seen that as well? It's a vicious cycle that I would say probably 80% of my clients probably fit into that bucket to where, you know, it can kind of look different for a lot of people. For some people it is you know, spending the whole day thinking about sleep and what's going to happen tonight and what can I do to get more sleep. And so they're just, you know, dealing with that problem solving and worrying during the day. For some people, it's, you know, it starts getting getting darker in the evening and that's just a trigger where, Mm. oh no, here we go for, we're gearing up for another battle tonight. Like it's, it's going to be a rough one. Um, Or for some people, it's waking up in the middle of the night and like, oh no, I'm awake. How am I going to get back to sleep? You know, this is, I'm going to spend another three hours miserable awake tonight and yeah. um, tossing and turning. So it, it looks kind of different for every person, but I would yeah, so many people deal with that anxiety and worry related to sleep. Yeah. Let's talk about a baseline real quick, because I think people are probably having questions in their head. Am I getting enough sleep? What is the appropriate amount of sleep? And so is there a baseline? I'm sure it's different by age, but is there a baseline of how many hours of sleep people should be getting? Yeah. So this is where it gets a little, it gets interesting. So, you know, if you look at a lot of the sleep organizations, um, they'll say, you know, the normal thing is seven to nine hours is sort of the healthy range, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people don't fit into that bucket. And so a lot of people will get, uh, you know, they'll get anxious because, you know, oh, I'm only getting six and a half hours of sleep. And so that anxiety can actually lead to more sleep issues. Uh, so as a sleep coach, part of what we do is um, we kind of rely on cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia as mm-hmm. part of it. And part of that is sort of educating about, you know, the science behind sleep. And so when we're, te- when we're talking to people, one of the things that we talk about is that they've done huge uh, studies, you know, millions of people and the average amount of sleep across the world is something like six, six hours and 20 minutes, six hours and 30 minutes. Uh, and a lot of these people are healthy, they're happy, they're, they're doing well. And so um, we try to start to relieve that anxiety about, you know, the amount of sleep by saying, you know, if if you're getting six hours and six and a half hours of sleep, you're, that might be all that your body actually really needs, like that mm-hmm. fulfills your sleep needs. And if you're waking up, okay, you're feeling okay during the day, like you, you feel good, then, you know, you may be actually fulfilling your sleep needs and there's no need to, to stress and get anxious about that. So it sounds like there's not really a one size fits all approach. I think about how much water people drink too, because I see people carrying around these buckets of water and I'm like, dang, that seems like it's too much. And I think water is the same way. Like there's not a one size fits all. There's probably like a minimum, right? And just like sleep, there's probably a minimum, like a, a floor of like, hey, you should probably at least to get this much sleep. But if you feel rested throughout the day, if you're able to feel productive, then that's a sign that you're getting enough sleep. 
Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, really just making sure that you're getting enough for your individual needs. And of course, we want you to get enough healthy restorative sleep, like you said. But for some people, you know, if, if six and a half hours is the amount that your body needs, and that's just what you're wired for. If you try to sleep eight hours, it's, it's just going to you know, probably lead to frustration and feeling like you're failing. So yeah. it is kind of education piece and just calming people's you know, anxieties about that or frustrations. Yeah, this is kind of a side note, but what do you think about naps? Because how, how does that fit in? Because we we think about like night time, it's time to go to bed, seven or eight hours of sleep. Um, but I oftentimes have to work with people and encourage them not to take naps because they they struggle they struggle and they they tell me that they have troubles falling asleep. But at the same time, they're taking a two hour nap in the middle of the day, mm-hmm. and so I oftentimes encourage them to do everything that they can and work really hard to not take a nap and be productive. And then when it's bedtime, go to bed, maybe I'm not giving them good advice, but what's your thought about naps? Yeah. So there, so naps are, there's kind of different, different conditions that we can talk about. So in general, if somebody is struggling to sleep at night, they're, they're having trouble falling asleep. They're having trouble staying asleep through the night. Then in general, we'd say probably you want to avoid naps. Like you said, just because we want to build up a lot of sleep pressure during the day because basically the longer that we're awake, the more sleep pressure we build up. And when it's time to you know get drowsy and fall asleep, we want to have built up a big amount of that. So yeah. if you're taking a big two hour nap during the day, you're taking a big chunk out of that sleep pressure and it could cause problems during the nights. Um, so in that situation, I would say naps are probably, you might want to avoid them. Um, if you're more of a normal sleeper, then naps are actually pretty great. Um, I actually just did a presentation for a hospital about naps for their employees. And so um, so a lot of times a power nap, so say 10 minutes to 30 minutes taken earlier in the day. So before, you know, before three o'clock, before two o'clock can be restorative for the second half of the day. Um, it's been shown to help with memory and uh, lowering blood pressure and a lot of other healthy benefits. So, you know, if you're able to take a you know short nap during the day and it doesn't affect your sleep at night, then it's it's a pretty good habit to have if you can yeah if it feels good to you. So we're gonna start seeing some hospitals with nap times. Yeah. It's actually yeah, some some uh corporations, some hospitals yeah. and things are actually building nap rooms for employees, which is kind of it's pretty pretty genius. It helps the healthy employees, helps the companies. So I think it's a good direction that they're going in. Yeah, sign me up for that. Mm-hmm. You talked about sleep pressure and I wrote down that word because I think that's a really important word because I have a visual of what that means to me at least. And I think about other things that can add sleep pressure. I think about exercise is the first thing that comes to my mind because I often encourage my clients to exercise because we know that helps with sleep and probably adds to that sleep pressure that you were talking about because it it causes our body to need to recover from an activity and sleep is the best way to recover. But you know, besides exercise, are there other things that kind of add that sleep pressure? Yeah. And so I'll kind of expand on that too, a little bit is that, um, so what happens in our bodies is that from the time that we wake up in the morning, we start producing this chemical called adenosine Mm -hmm. and adenosine is actually known as the sleep pressure chemical. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as we go through our day where we've been awake for longer and each hour that we're awake, we build up more of this sleep pressure chemical. Um, and so by the time that we go to sleep at night, by the time we get drowsy at night, uh, we've built up this, you know, if you picture it, it's just a, a constantly rising chart throughout the day. So when it hits peak, then that's when we become drowsy. It all catches up to us and we start, we, you know, we're ready for sleep. So that's where 
you know, if we do something like take a nap later in the day or, um, or something like that, or go to sleep a lot earlier than we did before, then you've been awake for less time during the day. So you have less sleep pressure built up. So the nighttime can be more challenging. It's yeah, it's kind of, kind of this internal process that just throughout the day is preparing us for sleep at night. I think about college students too, and, and you were a college student, I was a college student. And mm-hmm. when you're in college, your your sleep routine gets thrown off quite a bit. And it doesn't have to, but usually it does because of late night studying, you're going out, having fun with friends. How does that affect sleep and influence sleep? Well, so the big, one of the biggest things probably is just that when you're doing that, you're keeping an irregular sleep, sleep schedule. So, you know, sometimes you're staying up till four in the morning, you're, you know, you're just having these, these really irregular sleep schedules, probably sleeping in a lot later to compensate for that. And so that really goes against our internal clock, our circadian rhythm, uh, because our internal clock, it likes to have consistency. So it knows when it's time to go to sleep, when it's time to wake up. And so if we're throwing out all these curveballs by having these really late nights and sleeping really later, then our internal clock just gets kind of screwed up and it doesn't know when is the right time to, to wake up and produce yeah. cortisol that to alert us and all those things. And when's the right time to go to sleep and produce melatonin. So that's probably one of the biggest things is just just kind of disrupting that clock and then just kind of building up a sleep debt too. So we're just, Mm. if we're, we're we're depriving ourselves of sleep. And so that kind of catches up to you if you continuously are doing that to where you're just, your, your battery is kind of just never fully charged really. Yeah. I like that. You know, I like that you talked about the internal clock too, because our body talks to us, right. And how great is it when for me, it's like nine o'clock, but how great is it when your body starts telling you and communicating with you that like, Hey, I'm getting kind of tired. This is typically the time that we go to sleep. We should start transitioning to that. And, and then you are able to fall asleep pretty quickly. And then same thing on the flip side, right? Like I try to wake up at about five o'clock every morning. It's not, I'm not perfect, but on the flip side where your body starts to wake up even before your alarm goes off because it's it's just on this internal clock. It's on a schedule. That's entirely the goal. That's, that's kind of, you know, that's a big portion of what I coach people on is getting to that point. So that's sort of the ideal, you know, and, and when you get to that point, you tend to, like you said, fall asleep more easily. The quality of your sleep is better during the night and you tend to, you know, wake up and feel more energized more quickly instead of feeling groggy and just your energy kind of lasts throughout the day rather than having, you know, crashes and just feeling that grogginess. So yeah, when everything's working well, you tend to feel better and, and sleep better. So that's the ideal situation. Nice. How do you feel about sleep aids? Because I know there's different types of sleep aids and from, I guess what you do is a certain extent of a sleep aid. It's a, it's a cognitive behavioral approach. It's kind of a mental approach. And then I would I would see the next phase as being herbal remedies, and there's different herbs that are natural uh, that help people to sleep. And then there's psychotropic medication that I see that's kind of the end of the spectrum. And so how do you feel about the different types of sleep aids that are available to people? Yeah, so my general stance is that, so my goal is to teach people to not need any of those things to sleep. Mm-hmm. because with a lot of those things, even if they're natural, they're herbal and things like that, there's not a lot of hard scientific evidence about those things. There's not, you know, double-blinded placebo-controlled mm-hmm. studies that that can show either way. So a lot of it is subjective or a lot of it is, you know, it worked for me, so maybe it'll work for you and things like that. Um, and so 
what what I feel like can kind of happen is that even something like a, an herbal sleep aid can become sort of a crutch for people where they start to believe I can't sleep well if I don't take this substance. Um, and so that can be an issue. And some, sometimes I tell people like, you know, picture you, you're taking, let's say chamomile or something, mel melatonin. Yeah. And so you're taking it to help you sleep. And then you leave on vacation, you leave it at home. Mm -hmm. Are you going to, do you feel pretty confident that you'll sleep well without it? Or are you going to kind of feel anxious and, and I need to run to the drugstore and get it or else I'm not going to be able to sleep. So kind of that mental dependence. Um, so I think for those reasons, just, you know, kind of lack of scientific evidence and wanting to teach people to sleep naturally, I just, I generally say, we don't need any of that stuff. You take something and it makes you feel better and, and maybe it helps you calm, you feel like it helps you calm down or something, then, yeah. then great. But we just don't want to become, we, we can't sleep without taking whatever this thing is. Yeah. And our bodies are designed to sleep. That's true to our genetics that, mm -hmm we are made to be awake and to be alert at certain times. And then we're also made to be asleep. And so it's a, it's a, it's a natural process for us. And certainly there's some ways that you can help that process. And I'm, I'm the same way. I'm not anti herbal remedies and anti medications for people who need it, but at the same time, let's try to figure out a way without them first and try to develop a plan for that first, before we incorporate some of that. And there are some populations out there who don't have that option or they're at least not given that option. I work a lot with youth and youth who are in the foster care system and uh, youth who also spend um, time in detention or jails. And I've seen a lot of misuse of psychotropic medications in the spirit of helping people sleep. And I think about Risperdal as one of them. And there's 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 certainly some other ones. Seroquel, Seroquel is a big one that's used in mm -hmm. uh, detention centers, which is a mood stabilizer. But and it has a lot of side effects too. And I just think that we're we're doing uh, youth a tremendous disservice mm -hmm. by giving them this these psychotropic medications to help them sleep, and 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 at least not providing another option. Hey, I'm having trouble sleeping, and what I what I see is, hey, you're having trouble sleeping. Take this pill. I don't like that. No, I agree. I think it's uh, it's kind of a band aid, and it's like you know, here's this pill today. You're, you know, for example, these kids, you're, you're 14 years old or whatever. Here's this pill. Are they going to take that for the next 60 years, 70 years of their life? Yeah. Or can we teach them skills, teach them better ways to just do things on a daily basis that could set them up for long-term success without needing to rely on a pill that could be harmful in the, yeah. you know, taken for a long time. So Seth, I'm going to ask you to give us some free advice. Your time is valuable. So I appreciate you being with us. What are some things that you see that's fairly common and, and, and maybe what are some things that people can do as kind of some easy or quick fixes to some potential sleep problems? Yeah. So I think the first thing I see, one that's pretty common is something we touched on, which is just having that consistent sleep schedule. Mm -hmm. So I see a lot of people who they're kind of all over the place from day to day or during the week, they keep one sleep schedule and during the weekend, they keep another. Um, so it really... It doesn't uh, give your body the right instructions for, for how to do things. So I would say, take a look at your sleep schedule. Take a look at, you know, do you have that consistency? If not, you, you know, just try to instill that more because I think that's generally very helpful. Uh, I see a lot of people who don't get enough sunlight in their days. They're kind of just mm. trapped inside. They, you know, they wake up and they stay in a dim location. So I'd say, you know, try to get some morning sunlight soon after you wake up. It really just jumps towards, starts your whole body's process and sets your internal clock 
and try to get some sunlight throughout the day as well, just to keep your energy up and your mood and just let your body know, hey, it's still daytime, let's be alert. Um, so I think those two things can make a really big difference. And then I see, you know, stress, you know, stress is just, it's a big topic, but so much of the sleep issues that I see have a lot to do with stress, whether it's financial stress or feeling unsatisfied in your job or, you know, whatever, whatever the root cause of it is. So I always encourage people, let's, you know, let's take a deeper look at that stress. And is there are things we can change in your life to remove some of that stress? Or at least how can we uh, react better to it? You know, use some relaxation techniques and really just remove it or reduce it so that it's not standing in your way when it's time to go to sleep. Yeah. Um, I think that's another big top, big focus to look at. Yeah, that's really good. And I'll tell you a few things that I see as well. Uh, one of them is just screens, TV, phones, video games is a very frequent offender for a lot of people that I work with. The thing about video games is that you have a screen, but then you're also, you have a pretty significant dump of dopamine mm-hmm. as you're playing these video games. And so you're essentially getting hyped up right sure. before you go to sleep. And then after the video game, you put it down and you try to sleep. Well, then it's obvious mm-hmm. your, your body doesn't work like that. It's not going to go from like super hyped up to like crashed out. Like that just doesn't happen typically. And so mm-hmm. I work with a lot of folks who tell me, I don't understand. I can't go to sleep, but they're, they have some some really bad habits prior to going to sleep, which include the screens and then any really any kind of significant dopamine dump before you're going to sleep because it takes your 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 body a, a while to wind down from that. And then screens really affecting people in the middle of the night too. I think many of us wake up at you know at some level in the middle of the night, whether we have to use the restroom or our body just wakes up for whatever reason. I see oftentimes people quickly reach for their phone mm-hmm. and start scrolling through TikTok or whatever it is. And before they know it's been hours, mm-hmm. you know, before they realize it and then they're trying to go back to sleep. And so do you see similar things? Yes, definitely all the time. So those are things I have to coach people through and, and, you know, the screens it's um yeah, it's, it's, it's stimulating. It's learning. You can get sucked mm-hmm. into that rabbit hole of, you know, scrolling and scrolling, scrolling or watching video after video. Um, and then also just the the light itself, you know, just kind of uh, disrupting your, you know, disrupting your melatonin production in the middle of the night and tricking your body into thinking that it's still, you know, closer to daytime. So, so I think the light plus the content can be, can be a pretty disruptive thing for people. Yeah. So I see that all the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, Seth, thank you for being on the podcast. You have a lot to offer in the area of sleep and you've given us a lot of free advice, which I always appreciate, especially for the listeners, because sleep is is so, so important. And so how can people find out more about you and, and what you do or any resources that you offer? Yeah. So the easiest thing to do would be to visit our website, which is sleepably, that's sleepably.com. Um, so you can get on there, you can read about our services for children, services for adults, you can schedule a free call to uh, just talk about your sleep and see if sleep coaching is right for you. So that's probably the easiest thing. And then, of course, we're on the social media platforms at Sleepably is our handle for most of those. So it's probably the easiest way to see who we are and, and what we do and uh, find out more. I also want to plug your podcast because it has the coolest name ever. <laughs> Big fan. Thank so you. tell us about your podcast. Yeah. So my podcast is Sleeping It Real. It's relatively new, but we, uh, we've we had some fun guests and we kind of just talk about topics that are related to sleep and wellness in general. So I definitely plan on having you on there in the very near future, if you're up for it. 
So we've had personal trainers. We've talked to a happy coach. We've talked to dance coach and just, just talking about all these, these topics related to sleep. It's fun just to explore different, different avenues that are related to them. Yeah, that's awesome. And when you're asking me to be on the podcast, for those who are listening, I gave my thumbs up. I didn't, I wasn't <laughs> ghosting Seth Davis on, on my podcast. I'm certainly <laughs> happy to be on your podcast and thanks for being on the All In Your Head podcast. Thanks for your time and keep up all the work that you're doing and helping people to sleep. You too. Thank you so much for having me. You have just listened to the All In Your Head podcast. Learn more by following Jamie Glick on LinkedIn or by subscribing to the Mental Health Training Camp YouTube channel. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, you can call now or text 988 to get connected to free confidential support. Thanks for listening.